Welcome to CEO Insights, a podcast on influence and negotiation in which CEOs of international companies come to share their approach and experience of negotiation and influence. I'm your host, Ludovic Tendron. I'm a business and strategic partnerships developer, lawyer, expert negotiator, and the author of The Master Key, Unlock Your Influence and Succeed in Negotiation. I have the pleasure to welcome today Christian Blancart, a true reference in a luxury business. Christian is a former CEO of Hermès Cellier and former executive vice president of Hermès International. He's also the ex-president of Comité Colbert. He's now an author, a professor, and a consultant. He's also sitting at the board of a few renowned companies, such as Villebrequin and Montclair, to name a few. Hello, Christian. Hello. Very glad to have you with us today. How are you? I'm okay after this pandemic period, which was very, very special. I have learned to work differently, uh, but why not? I had to adapt like everybody else. So I am going all right. Very nice. Very nice. Look, I'm going to go straight to my first question for you about negotiation and influence. Um, you've recruited, you've negotiated, you've managed, you've dealt with a great number of people Uh, in your career. You've also been a busy man and your time has been precious. How do you size up people to know if you can give them your trust? Ah, it's a very difficult question. Uh, first of all, I'm not sure I'm right. I've always doubts. Uh, it's not very easy to be absolutely certain. It's one of the most difficult thing in business life is to recruit people. Uh, and to hire people who are, who have talents. So my own, um, I would say there are two, two, two aspects of the question. First, I try to understand their personality. I try to understand who they are, how they react. And usually I don't ask them questions on their professional life only. I try to open the scope of the questions. Uh, usually I try to understand the deep, Understanding of those people about the, about the communities, about the, about, about life, about uh, their own perception. I don't mind if they, give, if they tell me what they think politically, for example. I, I'm, not, I'm not scared. I'm not afraid of any questions as long as it's not intimate, too intimate. But I like to understand the, the real uh, intelligence of the person through, through many questions, professional, of course, but not only. So that's one, one way to go. The other way to go is, of course, to, be, to understand if they can adapt to, to, to my own people, to my own colleagues, if they can, if they can adapt. So on, not only how they react, but if they can adapt. And then I try to measure their ambition. Is it an ambition based on talent? Is it an ambition based on, on, on money? Is it an ambition based on criteria which I understand or do not understand. Uh, so, in fact, I am trying to, to, to have in-depth interview and a bit not, not only professional interview. And this is how I make my own judgment. Then afterwards, I ask myself two questions. Do I trust him or her? Do I want her to join the team or not? And, and the answer of those two questions makes me take a decision. Do you apply the same principle with business partners? 
Yes, of course. With business partners, the most important thing is the loyalty. Are they ready to fail? Are they ready to win? And in what, are they ready to share the win or to share the, fa the, the failing situation? With business partners, the problem is that when everybody is going in the right direction and, and succeeding, everything is fine. The problem is when there is some, uh, it's raining on the, on the project. Um, there is a thunderbird. And then what do we do? Do we keep going with the same or do they fail? Very often they leave you alone. Sometimes not. This is a question. And this is my fault if I made the wrong choice with a partner. I many, many often I had to choose partner when I was at Hermes. Partners for, for 10 years, not partners for one minute. I never choose partners for one minute, but for 10 years. Yeah, you play the long-term game very wise. Yeah, I never put myself in a short-term game in this partnership. Never. Yeah, I understand. So do, do you tend to follow your gut feelings as a negotiator, or are you more of a factual person? I would say both of them. Both of them. I need factual. I need gut feeling. Uh, in fact, when I used to, when I take only factual, I make mistakes. When I take only gut feeling, I make mistakes. So I have to join both of them. And this is what we call experience. And experience is made of success and failures. And in my case, I have a, a very good record of failures and some record of success, honestly. But um, also I have some record of failures. Yeah, sure. But now I think I'm better off. Now I know, I know better than before what means my gut feeling yeah you probably have more successes than failures uh considering Maybe your depends career on, depends <laughs> when and depends with whom yeah it can vary I say. <laughs> again on the long run yeah so uh, look I, i checked your past interviews um and um I understand that uh, in some of your interviews, um, you say that you didn't like excessive transparency where everything had to be shown and to be told in the luxury business. You like to keep uh, a bit of mystery. Does this also apply to your way of negotiating and influencing others? Um, do, you, do you like to actually uh, keep things inside? Do you like to remain discreet, not show all your cards, maybe listen more than talking, short contracts other than long contracts and detailed one. You have the same approach where you think that uh, not everything should be, should be told or shown when you, when you negotiate? Uh, it's a difficult question. Um, I, I, I don't think everything has to be said, yes. I, 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 never, I never go to... Not everything has to be said. When somebody refused to say something because they said, okay, I don't want to share that with you, I, I, I think I appreciate that. And myself, I don't say everything. Why? Because I don't, I think with a, with a negotiation process or recruiting process, uh, the most important is to understand the, the personality the, or the, the truth, in fact, to look for the truth. And to look for the truth, you need to go around a series of factors. You, you don't have to be transparent on everything. Uh, what, what, what do I mean by that? 
if I ask a question uh, which, are, which is a bit uh, different from the one uh, I'm supposed to ask, then I see if the, if the partner or the, or the person in front is able to cope with it. I like people who lose faith in their own logic to accept the logic which is on the side. And very often, this is not a method of negotiation, but yes, in a way it is, to, to say, okay, to suddenly you interrupt the logic. You put another logic in the conversation. You bring another factor. For example, in my office, I had an helicopter. Yes, an helicopter, you know, a toy. And sometimes when I was very bored by the, by the you know, because, you are, because business is boring also. So very boring. So uh, I was fed up, you know. So I opened my helicopter and my helicopter was going in my office like this around, you know, with my, and, the, and the, in front of me, the people said, he's completely mad or crazy. Or what happens? What happens is to stop the conversation. To, to think about a toy or somebody, something else, or to, or to look at, to look at a painting or to, to discuss another subject. And this is a way to be, to be transparent and to say, I'm not only a hundred percent in this logic. I want to show that there are several logic in business. And it is true. Today, the world is complicated. Uh, the work is made of numbers, but the world is made of intuitions. The world is made of, uh, Art, the word is made of humor. You have to be funny. Sometimes you have to be serious. You have to combine funny and humor. And, and you have to be full of opening skills. How do you, how do you judge the opening capacities, the skills to open, the skills to understand the world, the skill to grasp what is going to be tomorrow, the key product, the key subject? The key market, if you are only like this, you know, a marketing man. In fact, I don't like the marketing people because very often they are much too rational. And the, the key, I think, in my own understanding of business is to combine rational and irrational. But if you have only rational, you, you, you make so many mistakes. And of course, you need some irrationality today more than ever. Yeah, I understand. So you, you don't necessarily go down the road uh, of logic, but sometimes you like to change roads and you don't need to go, you know, too far. Sometimes you like to jump roads. That's basically what you're saying and break the logic, as you said, right? I think the real, the real intelligence of, uh, of, of, of management today is to understand that uh, you have to build, to have a vision. Okay, you have to know where you go. You have to have a vision, but how to go and what road to, to go and what people to, to, to hire with you. This is a very important point and it's very difficult. That's where you have to have a gut feeling, as you said, but not, not only. You have to test the partnership, the partners, the people you hire, the people who are with you. You have to test them not only on one subject, but on many subjects, because the world is open, complicated, complex, and more and more difficult to understand with digital and, and, and all the new technology. And if you are on a one-way road, you're sure to fail. Mm, I understand. You need to connect the dots. 
So yeah. I understand that um, in your past life you worked for uh, Thompson and, uh, and uh, another company. I think it was Bricorama, right? Um, yes. Do you negotiate differently when you sell washing machine compared with luxury bags? No, not at all. I never, I never thought it was very different. The only difference between washing machine and the luxury world is that priority in the luxury world is given to creation. Priority is given to innovation, creation. And, and, and if you don't understand that uh, the customer, the final customer has to love your product, has to be totally uh, you know, kept or, or attracted by the beauty of your product, by the utility of your product, by the specificity of your product, uh, then you don't understand the world of luxury goods. While in machine machine, the, the most important point is to deliver a beautiful product for sure, but totally solid, totally practical, totally based on, 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 on quality also, as in the luxury world, but based on the technical quality. So, so engineers are more important than in the luxury world, of course. So the, the, the priority of, of, uh, of importance is, are not the same. So, but, but, but at the end, but at the end, when you understand that the process are different, and the, uh, you, 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 you go back to the same uh, management uh, uh, basic uh, concepts. I understand. I understand. So, there are many similarities between machine, washing machine and luxury goods. Well, human nature remains the same at the end, right? So you, you still have end, to deal yeah. with people, different products, but, you know, same, and different same nature. People, different yeah. people. It took me time to understand <laughs> at which, that I was, not the, I was not the CEO with power in the luxury world, but the CEO with power was the creator. That took me a while to understand. I made a big mistake when I, when I joined the luxury world was to, to, to believe I was the boss. In fact, the boss is not the manager. The real boss is the creator. So that is not easy <laughs> to understand for your ego. You have the, while in, in the washing machine, in the, in the, the TV machine, in the washing machine, TV, TV world, where you are an industrial, when you are, you are the boss. That's for sure, but not in the luxury world. So the ego management in the luxury world is not the same as in the washing machine business. Yeah, which is not easy because the ego can come across, of course. Uh, yes, you know, but I can tell you it's, it's a difference. It can come across a negotiation and then you can, uh, you can take bad decisions basically because of your ego. If you let your ego coming across at some point, right? Uh, sure. Yeah. You have to be uh, a minimum uh, rational sometimes and not too irrational, I would imagine. Um, yeah, I, you can replace a, man, a manager. You can, you can hardly replace Carl Lagerfeld. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Luxury brands are often made of traditions, ancestral values, savoir-faire. We're talking about Hermès. I think Hermès is almost 180 years old. Do you think the cultural gap 
uh, with developing countries like China, Vietnam, um, is bigger in the luxury sector as opposed to other sectors because this sector is made of transition, ancestral rules, savoir-faire. You think that when you try to grow in a market like China, the cultural gap is is more important and you have to bridge that gap. It may be more difficult if you work in a in a traditional business like luxury? Well, your question is uh, very interesting. It took me time to understand that, for example, the luxury brands, the French luxury brands or Italian luxury brands, which are the true luxury brands, are very successful in Japan. I would even say relatively at ease in Japan. The reason is that there is, in Japan, a tradition of culture, which is very, very, uh, very, very far, very far in the history of Japan. And there is a, a sense of culture in every Japanese consumer, a sense of detail, uh, a, a, a culture of beautiful goods, a culture of luxury, which which is based on the whole history of Japan, the samurai, you know, the Meiji time. It, 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 always in Japan, you had luxury, which was symbolic of uh, an elite in Japan before and now, uh, which is uh, re- reflected in the class in the middle class of Japan. Everybody, everybody likes in Japan uh, the, the the sense of real luxury. Uh, of foreign of foreign brands like the French and the Italian, as I said, because it matches their uh, their own culture. This is why we succeed in Japan. On the opposite side, it's more difficult to succeed in America, where they have really not at all this sort of culture. They have a culture much more modern. They don't go far. They, they have not the same taste. I wouldn't even say they don't have a very good taste. While in Japan, there is nobody more accurate than the Japanese consumer in terms of quality. If you want to define the quality, you go to Japan. If your brand is successful in terms of quality in Japan, it will be successful in every other part of the world, not in America. In America, very difficult to succeed in America. In fact, it's easier to succeed in Japan. So it answers your questions. When there is a culture in in a country, the luxury brands succeed more obviously, more and even it's more easy. It's more obvious. And where there is no culture or a culture different, doesn't mean no culture, but another culture, then it's very difficult. And in China, you know, today in China, there is a revenge in China of what happened in the Cultural Revolution, a revenge. And one of the, of the explanation of uh, the success of luxury brand in China is directly linked to the, the political revenge. Uh, also, they want to show the Chinese consumer that they are able to penetrate uh, the European, to understand the European 
culture, because also they have a culture in China which has been murdered by the by the by the period of Mao Zedong. But um, if you understand that, you understand that in behind the Mao Zedong period, at the parents and grandparents, the Chinese culture, which is everywhere in China, in fact, is coming again. And we, with the brands we have, we are facing this culture. We are, we are, we are joining the past of China. This is why also they are proud of buying our product. I understand. So their market, if the cultural gap is too big, there are probably markets where you shouldn't be. Uh, is that what you're saying? Or you shouldn't put yes. too many efforts, right? I don't say you shouldn't be because that is not up to me to say that. But I say there are markets where it's more, much more difficult than others. You can try because you always find people who are different from others. There is no, it's, so, it's, not, it's not, you cannot just say everybody is the same. But yes, there are markets which are more, I mean, more adapted to our culture, our brands than others. Yes, definitely, yes. And you cannot compromise too much on your values, I would imagine, right? Ah, you should not. Yeah. You should not. I mean, uh, to adapt to, uh, to, to a country or a culture, uh, your creation, your way of speaking, your way of behaving is a big mistake. Absolutely. If you are yourself, that's exactly what people of the world like to understand and to see. If you think you can behave differently, I don't think it makes sense. Mm. This is why creation, definition of culture, uh, 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 go, go deep in your own attitude, uh, uh, express yourself in your own way of thinking, uh, in your own freedom is so important in foreign countries. In fact, we are not exporters. We have to be citizens of in, in, in the country we are with our products, with our culture, but citizens of the, of the countries, not exporters, go and come back. That doesn't work either. We have to also hire people of the countries, hire Chinese in China, Japanese in Japan, because they are more than ever capable to understand our culture to understand our brands and to interpret in their own way our culture, which is something very intelligent. You don't have to impose, mm -hmm. but, to, but to transmit, which is different. Which is a necessary link to sell your products yes. in there. Uh, yes, in yes. Company. If you want to succeed, it's a key. Mm. Great point, great point. I have another interesting question for you. We live in a world where our life is increasingly mediated by screens, um, learning, negotiating, even trading now. Uh, the COVID-19 crisis has accelerated this phenomenon with less business travels, more businesses online, including luxury. Do you think human contact is becoming a luxury good? Um, I want to say... And I, I will explain what I have in mind. You think that now um, people with money and, and, and wealthy people will have access to private school, private banks, private sales, uh, boutique hotel, business trips. And do you think that human contact can become, in a way, a luxury good in the world we're living? 
if what you say is true, it's extremely, it's, it's extremely sad to believe that uh, we can live without human contact. It would be extremely sad and negative. In fact, uh, the pandemic uh, situation uh, has rightly uh, shown to us that um, several things. The first thing that has shown to us that we have to, that we cannot live without human contacts. We can have this video program, this uh, uh, digital uh, Zoom and uh, other, other meetings like that. Uh, uh, and at a certain point, at a certain point, the real question is, uh, can you be creative, innovative, if you don't see the, the eye of the people? if you don't see the reaction of the people. And I'm absolutely convinced that this is impossible. And that at some point, uh, people have to meet. I don't say like before, maybe we were too quick to, to travel, too, too, maybe we were too, it was too easy. It's going to be more difficult, but now we have to be careful because if we, we have to, to be careful and, at the same time, having less movements, which I think will happen, less travel, which happen, but more in-depth relation with individuals. This is my first remark. It will be more and more a necessity, not a luxury, but a necessity. If you call it a luxury, it's, it means that uh, it's going to be very difficult. I don't think so. It's going to be necessary. And everybody will ask for it. Example, you have to, to, you have to meet in person very often. Because if you don't meet in person, you kill half of your creation capacity and creativity and innovation capacity. You, it, so you cannot go. Also, to be alone like that in your home and work alone with the kids behind and your wife on the side uh, or, or behind the curtain is not, is not very easy and, not, and on the long term extremely problematic. So people will rush to see each other again. That, was, that is one of the lessons we've learned from the pandemic. We, could, we, 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 we can work in a different way, but we need more than ever a personal contact, first number, number one. Second, you can see also that um, not only the rich people will, uh, will have access to this uh, necessary uh, contact with individuals, but the middle class what, and, and the workers also, they have, they cannot, they cannot work together if they don't meet. So it's, it's, it goes through all classes of the society. It's not, it's not at all a privilege of, uh, of some, or it can be, it cannot be a privilege of some, like uh, saying to some people, you can stay home because we don't need you at the office. That would be awfully a mistake. That's my, that's my, at least that's what I think. Yes. So I would be scared if the society today would be out of, as we say in French, an awful word. I hate that word. Présentiel means to be present. You have to go re regularly to see other people. I think that's a necessity, uh, but it's true that I'm a bit concerned. Coming from the hospitality world, if you look at the hotel world at the moment, the industry is completely changing. 
uh, yes. is is becoming more digital. You may not have yes. fr- uh, people working in front office anymore. You're gonna have yes. you're gonna be able to open your uh, your door, you know, with an application. Um, you can see also that companies is gonna try to rationalize, you know, cost and everything. And you have yes. AI coming. Uh, banks, you know, you will not have a contact, physical contract with your bankers anymore. <laughs> what a word. <laughs> Where actually the rich, in, in a way, will still be able to go to boutique hotel with, uh, with, uh, uh, with a bell guy. Uh, they will be able to go and meet their private banker and this kind of thing. So I thought that was interesting to ask you that question. Uh, but I have a bit of a concern. I, I think it's, it's not going to be it's not going to be completely uh, separated and segregated. Uh, that's for sure. But there's a trend there, which I think uh, is a bit concerning. Uh, I don't know if that's your opinion. It's totally my opinion. Uh, I mean, I am, a, I am scared that uh, the world uh, is, losing, is losing what makes the world... Uh, you know, make people happy, meetings, uh, and going away from the social media, which are the craziest thing in the world, you know, so negative. I think it's more negative than anything else. All those social media are awful. You can say whatever you do, you want on anybody, on any subject, on any product. You don't sign your name. So it's absolutely dramatic what happens. And uh, I think it's going to, if you add social media with anonymous people who write what they want with no sanction uh, to any extent on anything, and if you add that with the impossibility or the reduction of meetings, uh, what does that, where where do we go? I think it's totally mad. Uh, So I'm not part of that game. Uh, First of all, I don't, I hate the social media world as it is today, because it's anonymous and it's awful. Secondly, I hate not to see people I work with because I don't understand what they look at, what is their, what their face, what their eye, what what is their is in their mind. So I am another I am in another world. So I accept to understand the world I am living with, but I am not very much positive on it. If it's going in that direction, I think it will not go in that direction forever. At one moment, there will be stop. We realize. Possibly. There's an author who said that we're never totally present in this world. We have, uh, we're half present in reality and half in a big uh, digital nowhere. Yeah, uh, probably true. That's probably true, right? Um, probably true. Yeah, well, uh, let's remain positive anyway. Yes, let's remain positive. <laughs> it is possible to remain positive because there, are, there, is a, there is a world totally open to startups, to innovation people, and who are going to manipulate those negative factors and to transform everything into positive factors. Those people are emerging. We need a new class of managers. We need a new class of politicians, okay, who are going to be extremely intelligent and who are going to regulate what is wrong today. This is absolutely what I think, you know, but they are going to regulate. They are going to make sure that the richest share more with the others than today. 
They are going to make sure that the social media who are becoming totally crazy are becoming now totally positive by inspiring, giving information and stopping all the, the, the stupid, uh, uh, extraordinary way in which they are, road in which they are going, um, you know, blaspheming people like that easily. No, they're going to stop that. And on the same time, they are, we are going to bring new services, new startup in technology. I mean, no, so, so I'm very, I'm very confident in the future. As long as we have new rulers, new, new, new bosses, new stars who are going to emerge. Let's hope so. I have a totally different question now for you. Um, do you think women negotiate differently than men? Do you negotiate differently with a woman compared with a man? Well, first of all, we men today are the stars of the world. So uh, if you are a man, you have less chances to succeed. So uh, <laughs> it was the opposite side for a long time. I agree. Uh, so now when you, you can you negotiate with women, it's not the same as negotiating with a man. Uh, the talents are the same. I mean, for the factual, for the for the factual side, for the talent side, men and women are exactly the same. But in terms of negotiation, you cannot escape from the uh, woman uh, uh, characteristics in business, which are to sense much better the the, the product, to have uh, a better uh, capacity to understand. The client, sometimes the clients, the perception of, uh, of beauty and, uh, and sensitivity. A woman's sensitivity in business is absolutely fundamental. And we work for women and for men, but very often for women in the luxury brand. And I regret that uh, there is no, not enough women in the management level, top management level. Look around us, uh, there are very few women who are managing the luxury brands. And in fact, yes, you negotiate differently because sometimes you also understand oh, that's what happened in my, in my business life. A lot, I worked with a lot of women and each time I was surprised by their strengths, their capacity to face difficulties, um, their, their courage. Uh, and in fact, uh, I promoted, I, I did my best to promote uh, Uh, women who had talents, but also in my other, in other side of my life, when I was uh, for many, so many years, uh, a mayor in, in a village and also at the Action Against Hunger, which is an NGO uh, organization, I saw women with uh, incredible courage facing incredible difficulties. So we have, uh, we have, yes, you, you don't negotiate exactly the same and, uh, and it's good. And it's very good. I think women are more observant, more intuitive than men. Yes, uh, I think so, definitely. I mean, I, I did... Uh, and more courageous than men. Very and, and resilient uh, because they have, to, uh, they have to deal with social backlash. Uh, and we, we always forget that women have to raise the kids, you know. They have to... Uh, they have a husband, very often, or a boyfriend. They have families, they have, and they succeed in business. 
and therefore they have more work to do than than men. So in fact, uh, they do much more. So they are, more, they are they are very brave, and they are they are they are more sometimes uh, when they are back at home after work, they have another work to do. So and um, you know, <laughs> you can we can understand that. Yeah, no, definitely. and respect that. Of course, it doesn't mean that all women are great. Absolutely not. I had women whom I had to fire because they were they were just incapable. I had no problem with that. Uh, uh, in fact, absolutely not. Uh, let's not say that the women are better than than the men. They are different. Okay, they are not better. They are different, and and we need women in our management teams because we just need them. That's all. And they need us, by the way, also. <laughs> and, and they need us. But it's true that, uh, that uh, the situation is changing for them. I think that... Yes, uh, yes. Today uh, is much better than before. Honestly, much better. They are recognized much more, and, and that's very good. I would imagine in traditional industries like, uh, you know, the luxury industry, it's probably difficult for them to basically go up the ladder at some point, uh, especially when uh, maybe different, maybe maybe it's different in some countries, maybe in Anglo-Saxon countries, it's a bit easier than, than in traditional countries like Italy and France, right? And in the Middle East, in people in countries like that, it's very difficult. Yeah. So we are, we are not all the same in every part of the world, far from it, far from it. Exactly. Unfortunately, unfortunately. It's an interesting topic, actually. Um, I did very, a bit of research. Very important, uh, by the way. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. We can talk again about that <laughs> <laughs> for a we, long time. Uh, we all have women in our lives, so I like uh, yes. I like to explore the the impact of gender of, on negotiations. Very uh, is sure, very interesting. sure, sure, sure. Uh, it's very important. I came across very important. Uh, you know? I came across very interesting research. I can share that with you um, yeah. separately you, if you're interested. Um, I have another question for you, which is what daily habits have you developed over the years that have helped you to negotiate and perform? Have you developed oh. any ad habits every day um, uh, or that help you to perform? I have developed two or three habits, two or three habits. One is to, to be very reactive, to answer, to be reactive, to go, to go fast. The second is to laugh. I mean, nothing is very serious, nothing, except, to, except when you have a health problem. Uh, or when your kids have problems, or you know, but your family. I mean, but always thinking that if I fail in negotiation, it's not the end of the world. Uh, so that is a habit I have developed to to have a sense of humor in the negotiation with individuals and with companies and with everyone, which um, makes something to be light and serious. I mean, to look light and to work hard, that I have developed. In fact, I usually speak without notes, but I work like a beast to prepare my speech. But it doesn't, I don't show it. 
I like to, I like not to show it because I like to say it's an exercise which I always love to have exercise which look easy and in fact which are very difficult for me. So that is a habit I have developed to look a bit, you know, to laugh, to smile, the sort of Asiatic attitude, you know, Cambodian attitude, if you want. Laughing when even when it's very serious, or smiling when it's dramatic, but working hard to make sure I understand what I'm talking, what they talk, we talk about. That is the, the sort of thing I have developed along the years, and I continue like that. But, and at a personal level, I mean, have you? Do you meditate, for instance? Do you limit yourself with coffee? Um, are there any? Uh, did you take the habit of taking people to dinners, for instance, or your staff, or uh, um, develop a minimum of relationship with people? I mean, have you developed this kind of thing during your careers? Like you no, stick to I some principles? I have developed, no, I have developed the, in my business career, is a slide. I have developed always time to spend with people. I can spend a lot of time with anybody in the yaki or outside the yaki. I can see that today. For example, yes, I can spend a lot of time with an individual, whoever he is. This was clear in my job of mayor. For 31 years, I was behind my office, listening to people who are not, who are not clear in what they say, who have a problem sometimes they don't want to explain. But it was exactly the same when I was at Hermes or at Thompson or at Bricorama, as you said. I always love to love. I mean, I need, I like, I need to take time for people whenever it's necessary. But otherwise, I'm rather, I am rather quick. So sometimes people can say, oh, he doesn't listen to, to us or it goes too fast. But no, I, in fact, I can say, okay, you are not well, come to see me, and we talk, and it's confidential. And it is confidential. I don't talk, in fact, about my personal relationship with others, because I know too much. I know too much. When you are a mayor, what do you hear? You hear the life of everybody. If you talk, you kill them. In the business, it's the same. I knew that somebody had a problem. I don't want to talk about the problem but I can help the person to solve the problem. That is a part of my work, which I love most, is to help individuals, even to surprise by decisions which are not understandable for others, except for me and for him or her. And that happened to me 10 times, 100 times, not 100 times, but many times in everything I did. And I continue like that. So I'm not demonstrating any anything special except that sometimes I can be cold, I can be quick, I can be too quick. But I have always learned, or maybe myself, for many reasons it is in myself, I've learned to stop when it's necessary for any individual person. This is more important than taking coffee or 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 or, or to sh- or to look like uh, like what uh, I don't want to sell anything in fact in that uh, in that subject. 
I don't need that. I'm not interested in that. I want to be real. I don't want to be fake. You look real. <laughs> I don't know. It's up to you to say. According to you, what are the three most valuable traits of a master negotiator? The three. The three ones most are, valuable. first, to have worked on what he's talking about. First, to have read, to have asked people to explain to him or to explain to me, to the negotiator. So he's uh, like going to a, a very difficult exam. A negotiation is an exam. You have to know what you're talking about and to know deeply. The second thing is to have a sense of humor. Otherwise, you're dead. Uh, you have a sense of humor because you go through periods, which are ups and downs. And if you don't laugh, if you don't, if you seem crazily serious, uh, well, for me, it doesn't work. So you have to have a sense of humor on yourself first, because the most important thing is to laugh on yourself before laughing on others, which is my, my specialty, to find myself uh, wrong or sometimes uh, absurd. Uh, I can, you know, a negotiation is also made of uh, moments where you say something wrong or when you hear something wrong. And the third, uh, the third key of negotiation is to conclude on each step. Now we conclude. Now we have said that. Okay, we're not, we don't agree on the following point, but on this first point, can we agree? I don't believe in negotiation which are global. At the end, if they are not cut into pieces, I always did that and continue to do that. I cut the problems into pieces. Let's solve problem one. Let's solve problem two. Let's not solve problem three. And what can we do after? So there are the three, the three things I would recommend. Oh, I would apply to myself, by the way. I do apply to myself those three, those three criteria or, or means. Mm -hmm. that's, uh, that's, that's very insightful for the listeners, that's for sure. What moment stands out in your life as a negotiator? If you had to choose one moment uh, in your life of negotiator that stands out, which one would it be? <laughs> um, Good or bad? It was, no, no, no. I'm going to... Well, at a certain point in my life, I was in a negotiation to choose the technology for video, because I was the head of the sales, uh, Thompson, sales force of Thompson selling TVs called Thompson, uh, Thompson Brandt, it was Thompson, and selling video because the video was coming, you know, the cassette, the video cassette, magnetoscope. So we had to choose And I was negotiating with the Japanese and with the French authorities because we were nationalized. And I had to negotiate the standard of video. And we had three possibilities. The Japanese Sony standard, the Philips 
standards, which were called the VCA. The Sony standard was called Betamax. And the GVC standard in Japan was called VHS. And it was a very tough negotiation because at the time we did not know which standard to choose and we were decision makers. With the top some group was very, very big, was very influential. And we had also Telefunken in Germany. So many, many brands in Germany and in France. So we were the number one negotiator to choose a standard. If we choose the wrong standard or the right standard, it was a key decision. I was not alone to negotiate. I was with my boss, who was a guy called Faya, and, um, and uh, another one who was in charge of industry. And we were negotiating with, the, 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 with all the three companies and with the French authorities. And the French authorities at the time, we were nationalized, said to us that we should choose the Philips standard. And we thought, I thought it was a crazy idea because it's not because it was a European standard, it was a standard who, who would succeed in the, in the future. So we wanted to choose the VHS. And in fact, we were right. So the Japanese. And of course, at the time, everybody was shouting at me and at the two others, by the way, to say, you are, you know, people of Japan, you, you push Japan, you are against Europe, etc. So it was a very difficult, a very difficult negotiation. We needed, and it took time, it was very complicated. At the time, the, 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 the French administration was in the hand of the um, of the politician, like today, but the difference that was Thompson, who are selling washing machine and TV, they didn't know anything about our business. They were absolutely incapable to have a rational opinion. They were politicians or, or, or administration, administrators that knew nothing about the business. So you imagine that the negotiation skills we had <laughs> were very, very difficult to apply because they said, you do what we want. And they blocked the video. If you remember the history of the video, the government blocked the, the video, all the video from, from Japan in Poitiers for a couple of weeks or months. In fact, we succeeded because we chose the right standard, VHS, on which you live today. That was my most interesting and difficult negotiation in life. I must say it was worth succeeding. Otherwise, where? What, what, what standard would we have? The two others disappeared huh? in the water. Betamax left and VCR Philips died. Mm -hmm. So fortunately, fortunately, we chose the right standard. But in terms of negotiation, I can tell you, it was very, very difficult and special. Yeah, because you had political pressure and commercial yes. pressure. So yes, yes. Yes. Probably why it was difficult. Yes. And they could fire us because they were the boss, the shareholder, wow. not the boss. <laughs> what do you think distinguishes you as a French negotiator apart from your accent? Oh, I am very French. But I don't know if that is an asset or a liability. I have no opinion on that. I don't think we are better French than Italian or American. I don't know. I don't, I don't think we have the same tools. Um, 
No, the accent is uh, is something which has no importance at all. Uh, no, no. What, what different is us if you are French or Italian or whatever? Is your own or Spanish? Is uh, your own uh, culture? Your reference to writers, to artists, to your own culture, to the to the study you made, you had, you've made, to the books you've read. Um, in fact, in the world, I think the French uh, ha- are, are very well positioned to negotiate. They, they they should be proud of being French. I was always very proud to be French. I must say, you know, I'm very proud, in fact, to be French. I think the the French are. Is a France is a fantastic country, and and we had the I had the chance to be educated in public schools, lycée, then uh, in, uh, in in public schools like political science school, etc., etc. Faculty of law. I mean, everything was public and republican. I think, uh, and then then when you work when you go outside in Japan, in particular, or in countries in Asia. The fact to be French is, is, is an asset. I suppose the same for the Italians. But uh, it's often, oh, very often people told me, ah, you're French, so you like good food. Uh, yeah, yes, I lo- it's true. So you like how to live in France, because how to live in France when you are in Japan or in Philippines or whatever is, um, is very attractive. You come so from you, Paris. I said, yes, yes, you know, yeah. of course. How to live in France or everywhere. And yes, but uh, you're not American. No, I'm not American. That is for sure. I'm not at all American. And, uh, and think, that's it. So I think we have a few icebreakers when uh, when we negotiate, which is the culture, of course. Yes, Ardeviv, of course. Uh, and culture. French, and, and we are the country, never forget, we are the country des Lumières. We are like France des Lumières. We are the country of freedom. We are the country of freedom, and we and it helped me always to be, you know, to be proud of it. What what I hate is when the French are not proud of France, and where they criticize their politicians. I have been always shocked when I was abroad and when I heard some of my colleagues or or, or competitors saying, "Oh, we don't like the the president Mitterrand because he's not," you know. I heard that. I was totally shocked. And I said, one thing I never do is to criticize my own government when I am abroad. Because the French, are, are, is a, France is a democracy. We have left, we have right, president. And when you are in business, you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to do that. So to be French is a plus as long as we behave properly. Yeah, and we properly. respect people. <laughs> and we it's respect important. also our democracy. <laughs> Our government. I have some fast runs question for you. Fast run questions, and what we call in French uh, portrait chinois. Um, so you have to answer quickly and choose uh, an option. Uh, are you up for it? Are you what? Are you up for it? A portrait yeah, chinois. I'm up for it. Yes. I'm ready. Yes. Okay. So you have to choose uh, an option. Uh, Or eventually, you know, just give one answer. So Rolex or Patek? Sorry? Rolex or Patek, Philippe? Uh, Patek. Email or text? Text. 
Modern art or classic art? Classic art. Tour de France or Roland Garros? Roland Garros. Ah, no, 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 no. Ah, yes, Roland Garros. Difficult one. Roland Garros. Yeah, Ber I like bicycles. <laughs> Bernard Arnault or François Pinault? François Pinault. You can elaborate hein, if you want. No, no, François Pinault, because he, François Pinault is... François Pinault, that's my answer. If you want to elaborate on the questions, you can. Uh, are you a knight? Because François Pinault is a, is a man whom I have seen when he was selling woods. And uh, Pinault Bois, Pinault Woods, I saw his uh, performance. I, I, I met him several times and he, he's fond of art to a point which is in himself and also is a man whom I have met in, in different situations. I know what, he's, what he is capable of in terms of personal attitude vis-à-vis -vis some colleagues of him, friends of mine who were sick, who had problems. He was so, so incredibly close to, to him. In fact, I'm thinking of somebody precise. And uh, I've seen François Pinault in another way, with another face. So I have the, the, the deepest esteem for François Pinault. I don't know Bernard. I have the deepest esteem for François Pinault. Mm, okay. Are you a night person or a day person? Day person. If you, if you were a piece of clothing or accessory, what would it be? Belt. Belt. A belt. You like belts? Yes. <laughs> That's your right. If you were an innovation, what would it be? If I were what? An innovation? An innovation. An innovator? An innovation. Ah, an innovation. A uh, um, 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 medicament. Okay. A medicine. Uh, how do you say that? Uh, a medicine. A medicine. If you were a movie, what would it be? A movie? A yes. moving? A movie. Charlie. Charlie Chaplin. Charlie Chaplin. Okay. Why Charlie Chaplin? Are you a fan? Uh, because I think Charlie Chaplin was a total genius. He was very, very serious. So funny. He's exactly what I like. Okay. That tells you, that tells about your, your personality as well. If you, if you were a book, what would it be? If I were a book, La Route de la Soie, okay. The Road of Silk, which I just read, which I love. All right. Who is the author, if I may ask? Uh, I don't remember. I just read it, but it's a name uh, I'm not used to. It's okay. Carogan or Catoran, something like that. It's a new book. I just read it. I'm reading it. Okay, great. What is your favorite quote? My favorite? Quote. Quote. Citation. Uh, I have no favorite quote. A motto? A motto? A motto? <laughs> no, no, I, I don't have that. I have okay. no quote and no motto. Okay. Oh, yes. My motto would be, I'm a dromadaire, you know. I'm passing along the desert. I am a dromadaire walking in the desert. Okay. I'm not a pro I don't I don't have a property. I, I know I'm going to leave. So I'm happy like that. 
I don't like to own anything, in fact. I'm a dromadaire. That is my quote. Christian, who are you? Me? I'm a dromadaire. I'm a camel. <laughs> Very good. Well, that's the end of our interview. Thank you so okay. much for your time. Um, no, it's okay. It's a pleasure, you know, to have this discussion uh, with you. And uh, I hope that we can, uh, you know, cross road again, meet in person because uh, we're we'll so. interview uh, from a distance. So I hope that we can. I hope so. In, uh, I hope so. Paris. And, I hope uh, so. And, uh, and thank you. And thank you. So uh, all the best. All the best. See you soon. I hope you've enjoyed this interview. There are more coming with different CEOs, with different backgrounds, stories. Stay tuned. You can follow us on www.ludovic.online. See you soon. <laughs>